Welcome to the True Vine Podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and brings perspective that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. I want to talk this morning a little bit about being a builder, because we are builders. A builder is a person who constructs something by putting parts together or materials together over a period of time. So what does a builder do? I, I'm not a builder. Mark Coleman might be here this morning and some other builders might be in the house. You build homes or commercial and, or industrial buildings. They do renovations, excavations, and demolitions. More specifically, builders do particular tasks in construction. Um, I, I know the con- electricians complain about the drywallers. The drywallers complain about the electric, right? Um, and out there, and, and builders build. So the best part of being a builder, there was a few quotes I found, says, I drove past the first addition I ever did on a home, and it was 40 years ago, and it was still standing good. He goes, but the best part of that was, the electrician I hired is now my best friend after 40 years. John says, a smiling, satisfied customer, customer and witnessing the pride in an, impre- in an apprentice as they master more skills. The nostalgic feeling I get from smelling the lumber reminds me of my childhood years being on construction sites with my dad as he was building houses, one man wrote. Somebody said, showing my customer is the final result. Somebody said, getting on the job site early in the morning before anyone else and having the sun come up, the job has a unique calmness before the day starts. Steve said, driving by a house and thinking to myself, I did that. One other gentleman said, when you can take an old building and do amazing things to it that just blow people's minds. Somebody said, watching transformation because my heart hurts when I drive by a busted house. And we're called to be builders. And I thought, I don't know where this, who thought of this show, but do we have that clip back there, Alyssa, you could play or press play? Some of you parents might know this. Some of you that were born 15, 20 years ago might know this little clip if they have it. If not, I can't, I don't think I can sing it. I can't remember the melody line. Have you ever heard of Bob the Builder? Well, there it was. Bob the Builder's line when he was singing. Bob the Builder, can we fix it? Oh, there is somebody that knows it. (laughs) Last night as I was finishing getting this sermon together and I was playing this video, and Zadie was like, why are you playing that song? But if Bob's phrase and song was, can we fix it? Yes, we can. I think, can the church fix it? Yes, we can. Can the church fix it? Yes, we can. So before we get into my opening scripture, let me bring you up to speed. I'm going to be talking in Judges 6 for a few minutes. But there was a man that was in a pit who came out of a pit, who had a conversation with heaven that completely flipped the script in his life. His name was Gideon. 
And you might have heard of him. He came out of a wine press that he was using as a threshing floor. He came out of that experience. He had a conversation with the angel of the Lord who told him this. He to- the angel told him who he was. He told him what he had. And he told him what he would do with his life. Do you, anybody remember when God found you in a pit? Someplace you and he told you who you were. And he told you what you were going to do. And he told you what you had. He called your name. See, because this angel said to Gideon, he says, you're a mighty warrior. He said, this is what he said. He said, and you have strength. And he said this, you will defeat the Midianites and emerge as the leader of your people. How about that? God called his name. The angel of the Lord prompted a conversation directly after this between him and God. But just like Gideon, I want you to know that there is a God in heaven who has called you and he has told you who you are and he told you what you have and he told you what you're going to do with your life. You thought you were just like Gideon. He says, I'm the weakest. My tribe is the weakest. My family is the smallest. We can't do anything. We, I'm here to tell you that God takes pride in taking the little and the weak and the meek and picking them up and turning them around and, and doing something great with their life. So the angel Lord prompted Gideon to have this conversation directly with God now. And all of a sudden, heaven told him, Gideon, Gideon. See, the Israelites' time was really rough right now. Okay, they were surrounded. They were not, they were just surrounded. They were defeated by the Midianites. They were starving. The Israelite children at this time were literally dying of starvation. The Midianites were stealing their harvest. And Gideon comes out of the wine press or out of the pit And the Lord tells him, all is well. All, it's all right. It's all right. Let me tell you, you're in a tough time and you're in a dark situation and you feel like the enemy has been stealing your victory and has been stealing your joy and has been stealing your peace. I am here to tell you from and out of the book of Judges that God is saying, it's all right. Everything is well. You're going to be okay. You're go- not you're just going to make it, but you have a purpose and you have a destiny. Somebody needs to tell themselves this morning, it's all right. It's all right. We've been through 2020 and we're almost done with 2021 and it's going to be all right. It's going to be all right for you. He tells him, God says, don't be afraid. You're not going to die. You're, he says this. He says, you're going to live to see the promise come to pass. That's God's promise. It's going to be all right, and you're well, and you're going to live to see the promise. You've been in the pit, and you've been in the dark days, and you've had some dark nights, but you're coming out of the wine press, and when you step out of the wine press, God says, it's going to be okay. I'm with you, and you're not done. You're going to see the promise come to pass. You cannot live in fear. You cannot live in fret. You cannot live in worry. You cannot live in anxiety. Why? Because God says you're going to live to see the promise fulfilled. Then Gideon proceeded to build something. So let me, this, I had to get caught up on the story because if I started in Judges 6, 1, we'd be here till Tuesday, 6 p.m. So if you jump there and throw up my scripture, Gideon and Judges 6.24, then Gideon 
built an altar. Then Gideon built an altar there unto the Lord and called it Jehovah Shalom. Unto this day it is yet in Orphra of the Abazirites. Get that name. Who named their kids that? 25. And it came to pass that same night, the Lord said unto him, Take thy father's young bullock, even the second bullock of the seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove, or cut down the Asherah poles. Okay? NIV there, it says Asherah poles. 26. And build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place and take the second bullock and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. 27. Then Gideon took men of his servants and did as the Lord said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day that he did it by night. And when the men of the city arose early in the morning, behold, the altar of Baal was cast down. The Asherah pole was cut down. And the second bullock was offered upon the altar that was built. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord. We are builders this morning. And he named it Yahweh Shalom, which means this. It means, it means that he was, listen to this, he was hiding in the pit from the bad guys. He has an encounter with heaven that activates his destiny of who he is. So the moment you discover who you are, the moment you're going to realize who, what your destiny is. So in chronological order, he pivots, he comes out, he comes out and he says, now that I know who I am, now that I know what I have and what my destiny is, my purpose is now that heaven even confirmed and said, it's going to be all right. Don't be afraid. I'm, don't be afraid of what's coming because I've been with you this whole time that the enemy had you surrounded and the enemies took your harvest and the enemies took your victory, but he didn't really take your victory because I've been with you the whole time. When you were hiding in the wine press... I was with you there. When you came out of the wine press, I'm with you now. Listen, he came out when the bad guys were still there. He came out when they were still surrounded and when they were still defeated. He, you, need, you don't need to wait to, to come out until you feel victory. You got to come out and declare victory. Too many times you wait for your emotions to catch up with the word of God. You can't live by your emotions. You got to live by the word of God. Because if you live by your emotions, you're going to be a roller coaster. But I want to build my life on the rock. I want to build my life on something that's stable. I'm not going to build it on my old dumb emotions. I'm going to build it on the rock. And my God said, come out, I'm with you. And you have a purpose and a destiny. I'm here to tell you, come on out of the pit. Come out of the wine press. Come out of anxiety. Come out of depression. Why? Because you are a mighty warrior. And God is with you and has given you strength. And you will see the promise come to pass. Somebody give him praise. If you're at home online, give him praise in your living room this morning. Hallelujah. Yes. Thank you, Jesus. 
I'm not waiting for the coast to be clear. When the word prompted him to come out, he came out. You know what? The, you have people that hate you and you have bad people that hate you. Don't wait on them to certify who you are. No, you certify yourself by the word of God and you come on out and you be an apostolic Pentecostal Christian. Look, I'm tired of the world defining who we are. I'm tired of somebody up in some big state capital defining who we are. You know what? We're not what they say they, what they, we are. We are what this Bible says that we are. And we are the children of the Most High God. And they, you might be surrounded and you might feel defeated, but I'm here to tell you, this Bible says that you ought to come out and you ought to stand on the rock, on the Word of God. I'm going to do something that's counterintuitive to my current circumstance. The bad guys have us surrounded and I'm starving but I'm going to do, I'm good. here's what I'm going to do. And here's what we got to do. We got to come out of the wine press and we got to build an altar. I'm going to build an altar to God in the presence of my enemies. Get it. Gideon had the audacious level of faith and courage to come out of the wine press. And in the middle of his enemies, he built an altar. This is the same guy who was hiding, but he comes out. And he goes right in the presence of his enemies and he starts building an altar. What does that mean in our society? It means this. On Sunday mornings, I'm in the house of the Lord. Church ought to be your excuse why you can't do other things. It shouldn't be other things are the reason why you can't go to church. Ooh, I don't know. I feel like I might be preaching like pastor today. But something got in my soul because I'm tired of culture determining who I am and says, oh no, you got to take your kids here and you got to do this and you got to run around and your kids got to be in everything. And no, my kids don't need to be in everything. My kids need to be in the house of the Lord because I'm building an altar in the presence of my enemies. Listen. If you don't have your little sweeties here and you don't have them in the house of the Lord, don't expect them to be in the house of the Lord when they're 18 years old. I've had too many parents come crying and sobbing to me uh, over the 30, 20 years I've been in ministry full time about their kids not being in the house of the Lord. Well, guess what? You took them to soccer and you took them to football and you took them to baseball, but you didn't take them to the house of the Lord. You got to build your life on the altar. Oh, I know this is, this is deep meat. This is tough meat. This is hard meat. But I want to, my job isn't to help you feel good. My job is to get you to heaven. I want my kids saved. I want my grandbabies saved. Look. I don't want my granddaughter looking like the world. I want her looking like a modest Pentecostal girl. Well, that's the first block right there. It got quiet. It's about to get real. Because if I live by my emotions and I come to church and I'm not talking about emotions of grief, please understand. 
Okay, Every, grieving is natural, grieving is normal. And please understand, I'm not talking to that situation this morning with Brother Reuben. Please understand. But when I come to church and I've had a rough... See, it doesn't matter if I build my altar when my bank account is full. It doesn't matter if I build my altar when life is easy. It doesn't matter if I build my altar when everything's going great. But when things are going tough and things aren't going my way, and I could get a bad attitude about some things, but when I come to church... You still find me in my seat and you still find me praising the Lord. I'm building an altar. You're going to find me on my dark days and on my good days. You're going to find me in the house of the Lord worshiping him. And I'm not saying nobody's had dark days. But I'm here to tell you, in the middle of your dark days, that's when you got to build your altar. you got to build it on. you got to build your altar on the rock. When all hell comes against you, you got to build an altar. When you got to build in the middle of the storm, you got to build an altar. When you're in a dry place and everybody goes through dry places, you got to build an altar. It's what you build when you're fighting your flesh that determines your destiny. You can give up, you can shrivel up, you can live in the pit, or you can do the opposite. You can flip the script on the enemy. Say, well, every devil's risen up against me. People are hating me. My family's falling apart. This happened, that happened. Let me tell you, that most mean only one thing. That means that God has something glorious for you. If you will come out of that pit and you will start building an altar. You got to. I'm going to worship. I'm going to worship because I'm building an altar. First thing he does, he comes out in the presence of his enemies and he starts building an altar. I paid for these boxes. This, these were not, this sermon was not brought to you by Lowe's. I'm trying to figure out how to take the tape off so I can return them. I'm joking. Some of you are about to give me some ideas. So I got my kids and true kids. I got my teen and elevate. I'm, I'm worshiping. I'm praying. I'm, you know what this is? You're like, Pastor Mark, this isn't even, no, this isn't groundbreaking ideas. This is foundational. I'm fasting. I'm reading the word. I'm down here at night when no one sees me and I'm weeping before the Lord. Why? Because I'm building an altar. I, listen, the, the, the word of God said that altar is still there to this day. You're not building something that's only going to last a week. You're not building something that's only going to last a year. When you build an altar, you're building something that is going to last forever. Listen, listen. Your great-grandkids are going to ask you, what, what, what ha- how did we get this? How do we have such a blessed life? How do we have such a great life? How, do we, how, how did I get the Holy Ghost? How did my little daughter get the Holy Ghost when she was how old? Six. And my son was what? I don't get that. I struggled for months when I was like eight and nine to get the Holy Ghost over there and Amber, I don't know what she did and I don't know what happened. 
You know what, though? Great grandma found the Lord in Chicago, and she brought grandma and grandpa to the church, and they were the first converts at that church. And my grandpa said he used to hear grandma speak in tongues and thought she was in witchcraft or something in the other room, didn't know what it was. They brought them to church. They got the Holy Ghost in their 30s. My daddy and my mommy got the Holy Ghost when they were 18 and 19. And I got, and my brother got the Holy Ghost when he was 9 or 10. And I got the Holy Ghost when I was 8. And my kids got the Holy Ghost when they were 5 and 6. But it's not because of what I've built. It's what's been passed down through the years. It's what's been, it's the altars that were built in my family. It was the altars that have been laid in my family. But it only takes one generation to lose the altar. It only takes one generation to lose it. So I need some people that will build the altar with me this morning. I need some altar builders here. Because I'm not, I'm not losing this generation. I'm winning this generation. I'm not losing them. I'm winning them. Builders, are you willing to build in the presence of your enemies? Are you willing to build for God in the presence of haters? Are you willing to build when the enemy has tried to destroy you and you're hurt? Are you willing to build again? I know you've been hurt. I know the enemy has come after you and after your family, but I'm begging you, don't give up. You've got to build an altar. You don't give up and go into bitterness and anger, but build an altar this morning. Listen, I'm not angry with anybody, but my heart is heavy that you, we are not building altars and we're going to lose this generation. Listen, you're going to make it, but are your babies going to make it? Psalm 127, 1, unless the Lord build the house. Unless the Lord build the house this morning. That's why political parties will come and go. But the church of Jesus Christ will stand. Elections and recalls, but the church will stand. Because it's not the, it's not the blue party or the red party. It's the blood of Jesus party. This church was not built by our founding fathers of this great nation. It was not built by Washington and Adams and Hamilton or Jefferson. But this house, our church, was built by the one who died on a cross, who resurrected and sent his precious son. Let me remind you, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 3.10, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I've laid a foundation and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth. That ain't me, folks. Listen again, I have laid the foundation and another buildeth thereon. Let every man take heed how he buildeth. How are you building your foundation? How are you building your altar this morning? Because how I lay it, how I build my altar, not even that. Who's older than... Andrew, are you Generation Z or are you a millennial? What are you? How old are you? 
Oh, you're Z. Give me a good millennial. Come on. Oh, he just points to somebody. She said no. Look, look. Come on, come on, millennial. I'm not even talking about my sweeties next door, but I'm talking about this young man right here. How I lay a foundation, how I lay my worship, and how I lay my praise, and how I show him that I walk with God because the older ones in the church, and I ain't even that old, but the older ones in the church got to show the younger ones how to do it as a mom would show a daughter, as a dad would show a son. And in our culture, when half our kids don't have moms and dads in the church, they need spiritual moms and dads that will show them how to lay this foundation. Now, come on, Z. Come on, Z. But how the millennials do it, and I know they're creating, over, over, over there, you got, you're going to be saved over there. But you got how the millennials do it, it's going to determine how Generation Z does it, and how they pick it up, and how they walk with it, and how they embrace it. So you got all the, right? We got to lay a foundation. And he called it what it is. Here it is. He came out. He says this. You guys might have to stay close, come back. Just stay right now. I don't know what we're going to do yet. I haven't figured out what you're here for yet, but I'll figure it out. He says, all right, if I'm going to build something now in the presence of my enemies, this is what he does. Time's getting away from me. The Bible says that he called it shalom. Shalom, in Hebrew, the word for peace. He was surrounded by chaos, anarchy, strife, starvation, but he built an altar and he called it peace. I'm doing the opposite of what's in front of me. I'm, there's discord and there's strife and there's anger and there's bitterness in this world, but I'm building an altar and I call it peace. So the church must build an altar and call it peace. Well, we don't drink the Kool-Aid of this world. If the world says jump, we don't jump, we walk. If the world says run, we don't run, we, we got to do the opposite of what this culture says. We're going to build something different than strife, anger, anarchy, and division. We are building something called shalom. The, he called it Jehovah Shalom, which means this is the Lord of peace. Shalom is what we need. And the word shalom, according to Strong's, means this. Completeness, wholeness, health, peace, welfare, safety, soundness, tranquility, prosperity, fullness, rest, harmony, the absence of agitation or discord. Shalom means complete, perfect, and full. Here it is. Shalom means this. Nothing is missing in your life and nothing is broken. Let me repeat that one more time in the middle of your pandemic. Shalom means in the middle of your disaster, you build an altar and you say nothing is missing and nothing is broken. Let me remind you, you are a mighty warrior and you have strength. And God says, come on out and it's going to be okay because you're going to say this is peace here. This is your season of peace. I speak peace into your relationships. I speak peace into your faith. I speak peace into your home. I speak peace into your integrity. I speak peace over this generation that has been living with this Z generation that's been living with so much anxiety and stress. See, nothing's missing, nothing's broken. Look, shalom, shalom, shalom over your family, shalom over your home, shalom over your relationship, and shalom over your marriage. Shalom over your calling. 
shalom over your thoughts and your heart. I speak shalom this morning. I declare shalom for you. Colossians, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making shalom by the blood of the cross. In Jesus we have shalom. Through the word you have shalom. So we're builders. I'm getting to you guys right now. I got to hurry. Maybe we shouldn't have done that last song, babe. I'm sorry. I said yes, and I should have said no. I love that show Flip or Flop. You don't know, if you don't know what it is, it's fine. It's this home show, and they flip houses. They're in Orange County, it's, and they fight. It's a husband and wife. Well, now they're not husband and wife, but they fight and bicker, and it's, it's just fun, right? <laughs> Makes me feel like I have a really good marriage. Tarek and Christina have viewers on the edge of their seat. And they go in, and these houses, I mean, I, I feel like I could, should be able to smell it through the TV. Like when you see all the dog droppings and cat stuff and dead rats and all this stuff, right? I was like, and they're like gagging, and she's puking, and yeah, it's just like, but you would never buy a house from a builder if it looked like that. You would never buy a house that smelled like dead animals, full of roaches, rats running through the walls. But let me retell you, you have the altar to God, and we have an altar to Baal. First he came out and he built this altar. Let me help you, if you're new to church, you're new around here, You don't get good to get God. You don't put it all together to find God. You find God and then you have the authority and the anointing to tear down your old altars. You come get the Holy Ghost and you get shalom, the blood of the cross, and then you can go deal with this. But if you've been in church a while, what happens is You still got two altars and you're torn between two places and that's not right. You're straddling things. You're trying to do things over here and do things over there. And guess what? The next generation, here's what they're going to do. If you built this altar higher, if this altar is bigger than your altar to God, the next generation is going to walk on the bigger altar. They're going to stand on the altar that you made priority in your life. This is tough meat right here. But the Bible didn't tell you, and Gideon doesn't tell you to embrace two altars. He tells them to tear down. Take this altar down for me. To tear down that altar. It's a mandate. He built that. Then all of a sudden God says you tear down this. We're about to see a generation of apostolic Christians come out of the proverbial pit. And they're going to live for God like never before. Because 
we're tearing down the altars of Baal. I'm here to tell you there's a generation that understands that abortion is killing babies. And we're going to, out of love and respect and, and all Christ-likeness we can do, there's a generation that's going to stand up and say, we're not having this in America anymore. You need to, we have to, out of love, stand up and be who God called us to be. He didn't call you to be a political a politician. He called you to be a Gideon. He called you to get out of the wine press and it's going to be all right. And in the middle of your situation, you got to start building this altar and then you got to tear down your past. You got, look, there's been families that have dealt with alcoholism for years, but you're going to tear it down today. Why? Because you're building this altar and you're tearing down what has tormented you for years. I don't give a holy hoot, a holy hoot what this world thinks. If it's out of alignment with the word of God, it's wrong. I need you to hear me. God enabled you through Christ to get up and tear down idols that you have let sneak into your life in the last two years. Well, I know that's tough meat, but I'm here to tell you in the name of Jesus, God is giving you an anointing today. He's giving you an authority today to stand up and tear things down in your life that you know should not be there. I'm talking about bitterness. I'm talking about gossip. I'm talking about anger. I'm talking about sexual lust. I'm talking about hatred. I'm talking about adultery. I am here to tell you, God has given you the anointing to tear these things down this morning. And I know this is old fashioned. And I know this is not what you came in here to hear. But I'm here to tell you there is a victorious church that is without a spot or wrinkle. That's washed white as snow. And God's coming back for you. So you better tear down the idols of Baal. And you ought to build your altar to God this morning. Somebody give him praise in the house. Come on, start building your altar. Start building your altar. Come on, bring down Baal. Come on, bring down Baal. Bring down worldliness. Bring down thoughts of this world right now. Cast down every dark thing. Woo. Come on. If you thought you could go home and darkness would be gone, how would you praise him right now? And how would you pray? Every dark thing needs to come down by the power of the name of Jesus. Not by might, not by me, but by the word of God. This isn't in my notes, but I felt this. Back when I was a kid, we used to pray demons out of people in church. Brother Foster, they would, if you don't have faith, and they'd take the little kids and they'd hide you in the basement. In Minnesota, we go to the basement. I don't think there's less demons now. I think the church has got used to the demons. I think the complacent church isn't powerful enough anymore to make the demons come out. Ooh, it's real heavy. 
I don't think since 1998 it's changed, Sister Sharice. I think the church has just gotten cold. Oh, Laodicea Church, will you wake up this morning? Will you arise this morning? He's not coming back for a cold church, a complacent church. He's coming back for an on-fire church, a church that is ready, a church that is prayed up, a church that is prayed through. Woo! Where is the church? Where are the builders? We are the builders. I'm not looking for them, but I expect them to come in here. And I expect in this next three months, we're going to see people delivered of demonic spirits. Not everything is mental health. And I believe that in mental health, help. But sometimes you just need a good old-fashioned Holy Ghost anointed, pray through church to cast some things out of you that you've been dealing with. We are the builders. We are the builders. So he tore it down, Andrew. I know it's going to collapse. Don't hurt yourself. But go step on those things. Because what you tear down... What you tear down, what, come on, come on, come on, come on, don't be scared. It won't hurt you much. Look at what, what the millennials tear down, Z is going to stomp on. Okay, come on out, don't get hurt. I ain't returning that box, just take it. Proverbially and physically, what you tear down. Who's a little older than me? I, Brother Townsend, I know, Sister Townsend, can you... Can you help me today? Sister Rose, you're, you're, come on, come on, come on. What Rose tore down spiritually, Brother John's going to walk on. Brother Townsend, I, you can, it's okay. What Brother Townsend has tore down in his life, this generation is standing on. And it works itself all the way down. Listen, listen, listen. You're going to bring down false altars that your nephews and your nieces and your spouses are going to walk on. I'm talking about, it's okay. I need the men of the home to be the leaders. But if the men won't step up, God's calling the women to step up and be the spiritual leader of your home. Listen, listen, there's ideologies and views that are from the very pit of hell. But there are other ideas that are just secular. That means humanity. There are some views that have nothing to do with the devil. But then there are other things that come from the very pit of hell. If you don't tear down this altar, there will not be another altar for the next generation. We cannot be a kumbaya church. We are called to be an apostolic book of Acts church. Apostolic just means Book of Acts Church. That's what it means. Gideon could have walked away and said, I built that one. And he could have left this one, but that wasn't what he was told to do. He was told to tear it down. He says, before you leave, God told Gideon, before you, you tore it down, you built this. One more thing, Gideon, before you leave. Put me like five or six high. Five or six high. Man, these boxes are coming handy today. So he says, look, brother, brother, if you get tired, I understand. You do what you need to do. He wants to sit right here close to us. 
So the, he says, look this way. He goes, that's the Asher pole. Please stand with me, those that aren't standing. I'm ending. The Asher pole was a wooden pole like a flagpole. It was the tallest structure in the village built by the bad guys. The Asher pole was a reminder of the bondage they were in. Every time they would look at it, they would remember their slaves. Every time they would look at it, they'd remember they were in bondage and Baal was their God. So the Midianites created Asher poles. Actually, do you know Jezebel was the greatest, greatest Asher pole builder? First Kings. Now, now they, he says this, every time the Israelites that were enslaved, they would build outside of Babylon captivity another pole. And God says, we're done with that. We're done with the reminders of your past. We're done with the reminder. We're building a foundation on Jesus Christ and his blood and nothing less. Now that you tore that down, look, there's a reminder that you're a slave. Now that you tore the altar, now you're a slave. You're subjugated to the narratives of the Midianites. Hey, Gideon, one more thing. Now you're really going to tick them off. Gideon, go do this. So he builds an altar in the presence of his enemies. He tears down the altar of his enemies. Whew. The Lord says, tear down the Asherah pole. Whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like that? No, no. I'm here to tell you this morning, we are going to tear down what the devil created to hold you back. I'm going to tell you this. Gideon came along. He says, in essence, all right, let me do it. I'm excited. I'm going to tear it down. Someone give me a garbage can. Give me a garbage can. God says, no, 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 no garbage can. Tear it down, Drew. Tear it down. You want to know why there's no garbage can? Because the Asher pole was the fuel for the altar. What the devil created to destroy you becomes your testimony, which fuels your fire at your altar. Because at the altar is where you sacrifice. At the altar is where you give. At the altar is where you humanity encounters divinity. At the altar is where you encounter God and things change. So your pole becomes your fuel that keeps you on fire for God. Because once I was lost in sin, but Jesus came on in. Have a little talk with Jesus. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on the rock to stay. I was an addict. I struggled. I was bitter at the, this world had almost destroyed me. But I'm here and God called me a warrior. And God said, I'm strong. And God says that I have a future. You know what I'm here to tell you? You build this altar and your past fuels your fire forever. Alcoholism fuels your fire. Drug addiction fuels your fire. Gossip fuels this fire. But but I'm so hurt. I'm so fragile. 
No, no, no. God called you strong. God called you a warrior. But the, the, but he he left me with these kids. He left. No, 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 no. That's your Asherah pole. You tore it down. And now it fuels your anointing here. What's your butt? What's your butt? But uh, but uh, but uh, no. You're a warrior. You are strong. And listen, it's going to be all right. And you're going to see the promise come to pass in your lifetime. You're going to see the promise that he gave you. It's going to, in the middle of your enemies, you're going to see the promise. In the middle of your devastation, you're going to see your promise. In the middle of all the hurt, you're going to see your promise. Come on, lift your hands. Lift your hands. If this word is for you, lift your hands. If this word is for you, lift your hands. You're strong. You're a warrior. You got a purpose. Shalom. I I speak shalom this morning. I speak shalom this morning. Woo. I invite you right now to build an altar. If you need to tear down, look at all. Some of us need to build an altar here. But we need to go home and we need to tear some things down. Young people, you need to go home and delete some things off of Snapchat. Sorry, Brother Frank. You need to go home and delete some things and some people off your Snapchat. You need to go home and delete some accounts off your Instagram. I don't want you just to feel good today at this altar. I want you to go home and be saved. You need to go home and block some people that you're texting. You need to go home and delete them off of your phone and block them. You need to go home and clean up your Twitter accounts and your social media accounts. You need to go home and you need to unsubscribe from some HBOs and some Cinemax. And you need to unsubscribe from some stuff that's in your heart and in your mind that's destroying you. Because you're building two altars. And one altar is going to be bigger. And whichever altar is bigger is the one your kids are going to live on. I know this is heavy, but I wish there was a running to this altar right now. I wish there was people that were running saying, I'm going to build my life on on this altar. I I know there's COVID and maybe you just, I feel like everybody in the room needs to get on their face right now. There ought to be a running to this altar because God, I got to build. I got to build my life. Where you're at, it's okay. If for COVID reasons, you, just, you need to get on your face. I, I implore you to get on your face right now and build an altar. Every young person, build an altar. Every adult, every mom and every dad, build an altar. Every millennial, you need to build an altar. Every Generation Z, you need to build an altar. Every choir member needs to build an altar. Every musician needs to build an altar. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, I want everybody to build an altar right now. Everybody build an altar. 
I feel in the Holy Ghost. Build an altar. In the back, build an altar before you go home. Build an altar. Thank you for listening. Special thanks to those who give generously to this ministry. It is because of you that this ministry is possible. You can visit our website or church app if you would like to give. And if you enjoyed this podcast, you can subscribe, like and share it with your friends, and tag us on social media. Because we want to witness with you what God is doing in your life. Thank you, and God bless.